This is Morning Breath, your drive-time devotion sure to jumpstart your day. Brought to you by East Coast Christian Center. Morning Breath starts now. All right, good morning. Welcome to Morning Breath. We are so glad you joined us for a drive-time devotional that is sure to jumpstart your day. This is Mark Cook, and I am sitting in for Pastor Dan Stahlbaum this morning, and we're so glad to have you with us. We're going to be getting into the Word of God. That's what uh, Morning Breath is. We sit down, we read a chapter of the Bible. Uh, we read it the night before. We read it the morning of. We come down here to the studios at East Coast Christian Center. We read it on the air, and then we talk about whatever we see or hear God breathing on in that uh, in that moment. And so it's a great way to get into the to your Word, uh, to, to read. You can We'll read a whole book of the Bible as we as we work our way through. We're currently we're working our way through the book of Matthew. We'll read all the way through the Gospel of Matthew over the next few weeks, uh, and and just learning amazing things about what what God is doing, what God was doing through the life of Jesus. Uh, just it's a great way to get into the Word with somebody to do uh, the Word in partnership to learn some things you might not have thought of to to hear the Holy Spirit speak to you as you read. So if, if you're one of those folks that, man, I just have a hard time finding finding a, a way to get into my Bible to really connect with it, Morning Breath is designed to help you do that. We do it together here in the studio. Uh, I'm in here with my uh, favorite co-host. Um, <laughs> she's over here waving her hand at me because no, I talk not, too much. I'm making so much noise over here. <laughs> I'm dropping my pen, wiggling around on my paper. It's yes. my lovely wife, Angela. How are you, babe? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm good. You seem yeah. to have perked up. You were saying you're not a morning person. I am not a morning person, and so coming on Morning Breath is definitely a Holy Spirit moment. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm praying in the Spirit the entire way over because I'm not a morning person. Yes. Pray, were, so were you praying in the spirit when you were shaking your fist at that person that cut you off? Is that what? No, that I was? actually almost cut someone else off because oh, of that okay. darn blind spot in our van. Oh, yeah. You got to look at the little bubble. The little bubble there. didn't even show him. <laughs> and I, all I heard was a honk. Oh, well. So I felt bad. Yeah. yeah. I wonder what you would have heard if you were in the car with him. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so we need to get uh, you connected to the show. You need to be able to join us. You can do that by getting a morning breath guide so you know what chapter we're going to be in and also what chapters we've been in. You can get caught up if you're behind. You can find that on our app. Download the East Coast app to your phone or device, and there's a morning breath button on there that will give you all the pertinent information. You can also get to our website, eccc.us. It's got a morning breath button as well. Of course, you can call us at 452-1060 and hit zero for the operator. We can email or mail you a morning breath guide, and of course, on the app and on our website, you can link to all kinds of things that are happening at East Coast, as well as see our past messages on YouTube, etc. And so, we've also got a lot of things happening. We do a lot of events coming up. What do you got? Yes, tonight, as a matter of fact, is night of worship at seven o'clock p.m. in the Parkway Worship Center at Merritt Island Campus. I might be October second. Yes, I always forget to say the you day. You do. It's tonight, Wednesday, October second. It is Wednesday, October second. And so tonight is our night of worship. That is an amazing time. Last month was just out of the world amazing. Um, and so we just hope you can be here tonight at 7 o'clock. Also, tomorrow night, um, new ECCU, our um, East Coast Christian University classes, start tomorrow a new session. You do um, classes monthly, and so you are just hyperdrived into classes, reading and just getting into the Word and learning from amazing instructors and professors there. That starts tomorrow at 7 p.m. Um, you need to call the office for information if you're not already plugged in. But this is also a reminder to those of you who are already in classes that your new sessions start tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> um, Metal Church is this Saturday at 7 o'clock at the Avenue, October 5th. 
um, just a great time for the metal community. I know Pastor Kevin and, and Lisa do an amazing job with that, and people are so blessed in our community um, by that service. And so that's Saturday night at 7. And then we have an amazing sisterhood event coming, and I can say this because I am sisterhood. <laughs> You're the only one in here who is? I am the only person in this room who is sisterhood, and so I'm excited to make this announcement. Um, our Flourish Conference is next week, Friday and Saturday, um, October 11th and 12th. It is not too late to sign up for that, ladies. Um, if you are a woman, you are sisterhood, and we are so excited to have you part of this. If you're in our community, um, you don't attend our church, we want you there. And you can go to our website um, or on our podcast and get more information and register for that. We are going to have an amazing um, time of worship. We also have wonderful speakers. And um, actually, we have lunch on Saturday. And so we're excited. Maybe I'll come about- for that. For lunch. You have to register. <laughs> so you have to register for that. And so we'd love to have you ladies. It's not too late to sign up, and um, we'll, we'll hope to see you there. Absolutely. Now, did you guys notice how much time the Flourish announcement got versus everything else? Oh, yes. Yeah. Because I am sisterhood. Yeah, I see that. <laughs> All right, we need to get into the Word, Matthew chapter 15. And so we've got 39 verses. Do you want to read first or second? Up to you. Okay, well, I figure the first 20 is a good run, Okay, and then we can take it uh, from the end. So do you want to get me started, or do you want me to get I you started? I will get you started. Okay. Yes, Pastor Mark, I say unto you, read, sir. In the New King James, Then the scribes and Pharisees who were from Jerusalem came to Jesus, saying, Why do your disciples transgress the traditions of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat bread. He answered and said to them, Why do you also transgress the commandment of God because of your tradition? For God commanded, saying, Honor your father and your mother. And he who curses father or mother, let him be put to death. But you say, whoever says to his father or mother, whatever profit you might have received from me as a gift to God, then he need not honor his father or mother. Thus you have made the commandment of God of no effect by your tradition. Hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy about you, saying, these people draw near to me with their mouth, and and they honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. When he had called the multitude to himself, he said to them, Hear and understand, not what goes into the mouth defiles a man, but what comes out of the mouth, this defiles a man. Then his disciples came and said to him, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this saying? But he answered and said, Every plant which my heavenly Father has not planted will be uprooted. Let them alone. They are blind leaders of the blind, and if the blind leads the blind, both will fall into a ditch. Then Peter answered and said to him, Explain this parable to us. So Jesus said, Are you also still without understanding? Do you not yet understand that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and is eliminated? But those things which proceed out of the mouth come from the heart, and they defile a man. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man. But to eat with unwashed hands is not defile a man. Then Jesus went out from there and departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came from that region and cried out to him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she cries out after us. But he answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. And she said, Yes, Lord, yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. 
and her daughter was healed from that very hour. Jesus departed from there, skirted the Sea of Galilee, and went up on the mountain and sat down there. Then great multitudes came to him, having with them the lame, blind, mute, maimed, and many others, and they laid them down at Jesus' feet, and he healed them. So the multitude marveled when they saw the mute speaking, the maimed made whole, the lame walking and the blind seeing, and they glorified the God of Israel. Now Jesus called his disciples to himself and said, I have compassion on the multitude because they now continue with me three days and have nothing to eat. And I do not want to send them away hungry lest they faint on the way. Then his disciples said to him, Where could we get enough bread in the wilderness to fill such a great multitude? Jesus said to them, How many loaves do you have? And they said, Seven, and a few little fish. So he commanded the multitude to sit down on the ground, and he took the seven loaves and the fish and gave thanks, broke them, and gave them to his disciples, and the disciples gave to the multitude. So they all ate and were filled, and they took up seven large baskets full of the fragments that were left. Now those who ate were four thousand men besides women and children, and he sent away the multitude, got into the boat, and came to the region of Magdala. Amen. Man, so another incredible uh, miracle. Uh, We've seen him change uh, um, a few loaves and fish to feed 5,000 plus uh, women and children, and now he's done it again uh, with seven loaves and a few fish to feed 4,000 plus women and children. It's incredible what you do when when you take what you have, whatever amount it is, and you put it into the kingdom of God, uh, the one who has much more than enough, the one who said he can supply all of our need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus— when you bring what you have to him, uh, he ensures that you have an abundance. It says that the word says that for every good work, you'll have an abundance. And so just, man, being reminded that no matter where you are with what you've got, if you bring it to Jesus, there's always going to be much more than enough to do more than you ever at, thought or imagined, the word says, that the, it's by the power that works in us that he's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we could ask or think. When you bring stuff to Jesus, man, it can change the atmosphere, it changes the environment, and look how many more people get ministered to. Uh, it's always about more people. It's never yeah. just about us. Right. Kind of what I take away. Well, from Jesus it. started yeah. that that portion of scripture by saying, "I have compassion on the multitude." Yeah. It yeah. wasn't like, man, I'm really, I'm starving to death. <laughs> Jeez, we're gonna be sitting in this thing for another hour. If I have to sit here one more minute, I'm gonna starve to death. Like yeah. he wasn't self consumed. He was having compassion on the men whose wives were saying that to them. Yeah, most likely. <laughs> it, it, I, yeah, you do hear that more from girls. Well, I don't know our kids. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, if there but was... he, it does say he had compassion on the multitude. Yeah. And that's the thing. I think a lot of times we get stuck with, um, I want to make sure I've got enough. I want to make sure I've got enough. Right. Right. I want to make sure I've got what I need. Um, and his his heart is not only for you to have what you need, but to have so much more so that you can go out and be a blessing. Um, and that's really what the point of that part is. That's, so that's just one little thing that I was thinking as we were reading there. There's 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 a several things in this chapter I wanted to touch on quickly. Um, in this parable, or actually it's not a parable, it's a story of the, the woman, of the Canaanite woman who came to him uh, and he, she needed help with her daughter. This is an interesting interchange uh, that they have, and uh, I want to just look at a couple of different things that 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 happen here. She's a Canaanite woman, so that means she's not a she's not a Jew. She's a Gentile, but when she comes to Jesus, she says to him, "Have mercy on me, O Lord, Son of David." In verse twenty-two, that's a Jewish greeting, mm-hmm. right? That and and so I was I was actually doing a little bit of digging in this just to kind of to pull some things out of this, and I, and I and I found some interesting things, um, and and. It's interesting that she said, have mercy on me, son of David, as a Gentile. It's almost like she was trying to get his attention and not really say who she was, right? 
Like she was almost trying to come across as being a Jewish person so that he would respond to her, but he ignored her. Mm. He, yeah. When I read that, I'm like, I wonder why he ignored her. And, and so this was just kind of food for thought. I didn't, you know, I don't have a doctrine that proves this, but he ignored her when she came to him as somebody other than who she was. Right. She, she, she came to him um, with kind of a mask on, you know, um, it's, it's, I would say, you know, think of the person who feels like if they're going to come to church or if they're going to get involved in, in, in being in community, uh, they put on a mask and pretend to be somebody else. I, I have it all together. Um, I'm one of you. Well, do you also maybe think, though, that she came thinking, like, I have to... I have, have to pretend. I, yeah, I have to pretend and, and like, quote-unquote, prove that I get who this guy is. Sure. Like, almost living up to... That I have to live up to something. Yeah, I, I think... Yeah, yeah I, kinda, I hear... That's what kind of the same thing you're saying. Yeah, but I you articulated you. it better. And so it's just that whole idea of... Come to come to Jesus as you are, because then when she when she came to him and, and let it and let the guard, guard down, down and be who she was, man, she got exactly what she needed. Right, right, because he's he wants to do that, and he says in verse twenty four, he says, "I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel." While Jesus was walking the earth, he came as a Jewish man to a Jewish culture under Jewish law, and he was here to fulfill the law, so that it could be done. Right, so he was he was he fulfilled the law, lived it perfectly, then paid the price for all of us who who didn't, um, and and then that message became it became clear in the book of Acts that this was for the Gentiles as well, mm-hmm. but that wasn't really clear yet. Jesus was mostly in a Jewish culture; that's where he, he pretty much stayed talking to Jewish people, and so you see the occasional Gentile pop up, mm-hmm. and it's really interesting that when they do, they get what they need. Mm-hmm. Right, there was a centurion who got what he needed. This woman who got what she needed. Um, and and these these Gentiles are coming to Jesus, and both times he says to them, "Wow, I haven't seen faith like this in Israel." Well, that's the the thing I was thinking. Like he he makes it clear why I'm here. Yeah. I'm here for the the house of Israel, the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But those little, you get those glimpses that that is not all he's here for. Like yeah, that the goal is for everyone. The goal is for the multitudes. The goal is for the Jew and the Gentile. The goal is for the adoption of the Gentiles. And you kind of see that almost like just, I don't know, it kind of makes me think of how every time he'd heal, or not every time, but many times when he'd heal, he'd say, don't don't talk about it. It's yeah. not my time yet. Almost like trying to, re- not being able to be revealed yet. And I was thinking about that last week. Part of that, I believe, is because he, God was, again, he was nurturing the hearts of those who needed God or Christ. He was nurturing the hearts. He was sowing the seed. He was watering the seed. He was he was preparing the hearts of the masses. And so for Jesus to be known too quickly, revealed too quickly, the, I think the uproar and the frustration of the Jews would have been so ridiculous because they, they what these people don't have the rights to what I have the sure. rights to. And so I just, I see that also, um, that even though he let her know why I'm here, she bowed to his, you know, to the fact that he was Lord. Yeah. And was able to recognize and yep, you do recognize it. Yeah. And to me, that's just a picture of grace. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah that is that it's available to all men. I wasn't sure I wanted to say that word yet because <laughs> that is your thing. And <laughs> hey, it, that's what this is all about. And so we see incredible grace being poured out here that her daughter was healed from that very hour. Uh, because of her faith, just because she believed that he was the one yeah. who had what it took to help her, regardless of whether she was a Jew yeah, or a Gentile. Regardless, and yeah. that's that's what Jesus, that's what God has always wanted 
that we would just believe him. It goes all the way back to Abraham. We see it all through the New Testament. It goes all the way back to Abraham. Abraham set the tone because he believed God, and it was counted to him for righteousness. And that's what God is looking for from anyone, every tribe, tongue, and nation. If you just believe him, it's accounted to you for righteousness. So you don't have to come to Jesus pretending to be something you're not. Come to him as you are. He already knows. You're not, you're not fooling him. Right. Right. We have this, we, we try to fool, uh, we, we walk around with facades up and, and all kinds of things to fool other people, but you're never fooling God. If you'll just come to him as you are, he can handle it. Yeah, you know, I can't come to God with all this mess in my life. He knows it's there and he can handle it. And that's the thing we got to remember. God is big enough to handle our junk if we'll just bring it to him and let him take it from us. And so, man, come to him as you are. There's, uh, there's some other things in here. Yeah. I was looking in, at the beginning of the chapter, and, and really kind of it'll kick us over into what you were talking about a minute ago about jumping into the grace, onto the grace thing. It says in the very beginning that the Pharisees and the scribes, these were the religious leaders, and they came to Jesus, and they said, why do your disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? They don't wash their hands when they eat bread. These guys had made, the, the tradition of the elders was everything that they had added to the law. Uh, you had the Ten Commandments, then you had, you know, some more specific things about, you know, rituals and things like that in the Old Testament that they were supposed to follow as part of the law. But then they had taken it upon themselves to start defining words a certain way. You know, what does it mean to actually take a Sabbath rest? So now we have to define work, and we're going to start adding all these definitions to it. So they start coming up with all these traditions that you have to do, and they they equated their tradition, and sometimes I think they even elevated their tradition above the Word of God. Oh, sure. And they began to drive that as the doctrine. Um, this is what you need to do. Yeah. And if you don't do this, it's just as big of a sin as if you committed adultery. Yeah. Right? And so they're, they're, they're driving that home, and they're saying, so why do your traditions, why do your disciples transgress? It's the same, it's, and that's almost the same word as, you know, sin. Sin. You know, you're transgressing the law, you're transgressing the tradition of the elders. And Jesus calls, he says, well, why do you transgress the commandment of God? Because of your tradition. Mm. All right, he, he, he quickly brings back the, the, the contrast. The commandment of God is greater than your tradition. Mm -hmm. And you've elevated this thing, and by doing that, you've elevated yourselves. And that's really what it boils down to. They have, they have taken it upon themselves to elevate their status in their community and in their culture by saying, we are the determiners of what the law means. We can add to it whenever we see fit, and it carries just as much weight as God himself. That's what religion does to us. Right. Religion makes us God. Well, and honestly, just going back to the, the Gentile woman, religion what was what was making her feel like she had to come to him with this facade. Yeah, I got to fit into this religious yes. culture. And so, like, let's look at that for a second. Like, that is exactly like you, you were mentioning. People walk through the front door of churches and they feel like they have to put on a facade. Why is that? Yeah. Why is that? They feel that they have to, they have to elevate themselves, or they have to put themselves to this place where these other people have elevated themselves. There's a, there's an air there, and there's a reason, and so I think it might kind of stem back to this idea of religion. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> it, that's what that's what the root of it is, and that's what when you see Jesus in conflict with people in 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 the Gospels, you don't ever see him in conflict with Gentiles, right? You he has conversations with them. He see they have breakthrough. Even when he's talking to Pilate, he's not in conflict with Pilate, right? Pilate's asking him questions. Some of them he answers, some of them he doesn't. But he's never in conflict with them. But when Jesus is in conflict with other people, he's in conflict with the religious leaders, and it's over these kind of things by saying, you are putting a burden on people that my Father never intended them to have. 
and that they can't keep, and neither can you, by the way. And now you're, and you're actually making them sin more with your religious commandment, because he goes on to explain, you've got a religious tradition that you came up with on your own, saying that instead of supporting their parents in their old age, uh, your, their kids can give all their money to the church treasury um, and say, okay, I gave my money to the church treasury as a gift to God, I'm, I don't have to support you. Mm. And he's saying they've been called to honor their father and mother by the word of God, and you have said, give us your money, and you can get around that commandment, mm. Right. And that kind of, you can see that even in the early, uh, I wouldn't say, when I say the early church, I don't mean the Bible church, but when you get into, um, you know, past the apostles and into the, the few, first few centuries of the church, you start, what do you start seeing? You start seeing indulgences. Mm-hmm. Oh, just give us your money and your sins are okay. Right. Right? And so you, you start that, that whole religious concept. So a man takes over, starts adding, making new rules— and twisting things for their own benefit, elevating themselves, and you can see that. And so I would caution you, as when you look at church, when you look at uh, the church culture, when you look at um, you know just the Bible and see this, you see this consistently. When, a, when men elevate themselves, you're, you're seeing religion. Yeah. When men elevate themselves, because Jesus said, if I'm lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. When a man or when a culture—see, sometimes a culture can lift a man up, and maybe he's not even pursuing that, yeah, right? Absolutely. But, but, a man, but they can begin to kind of have you know, almost you know, hero worship of a, of a leader, uh, and that's always dangerous. Yeah. So I want to turn the tide a little bit okay. because I don't want us to miss this part where he talks about um, the mouth, what comes out of the mouth. They're yes. talking about like, oh, well, can you tell us what we can't and can and cannot eat? And he's— Jesus says, okay, wait a minute, hold on, let's back up here. It's not what you put in you that defiles you, it's what comes out of your mouth that defiles you. And I wanted to touch on that just a little bit because um, what comes out in our words is what defiles us. What we speak out is what defiles us. Um, Even really what they were all speaking was defiling them because they they were speaking out religious tradition. They weren't, they weren't, believing it doesn't have to be ugly things right it's right i mean you they're saying well why are they transgressing what was coming out of their mouth was speaking death speaking condemnation yes over good the over um his disciples and so i just want us to look at that just for a few seconds because um what comes out of our mouth is what defiles us and we all struggle with it because we all speak and sometimes we say the things that we don't need to say like i'm i don't i'm sick i'm I'm tired. I'm um, just things that you say out of your mouth defile what, what is really going on. So you can you could eat the things that's not going to defile you, but the things you say, the things you speak about yourself. And I just tie again back to the the Gentile woman. What she was speaking out at first was really based on religious yeah. things. She was it was on religion, and then when she spoke out the thing that sh- that kind of showed her faith to Jesus, she was she was revealing what was inside of her. I really do believe you are Lord. Yeah. I mean, look at, and so she's speaking, she spoke out faith, but at first she didn't. I almost wonder like, is that why he didn't answer her? Because she didn't, she wasn't quote unquote speaking his language. Sure. She wasn't speaking faith. She was speaking just like these Pharisees and Sadducees. She wasn't speaking faith. And the minute she spoke faith, it was done for her. Yes. So that defilement was gone. And so I just, it, that quickly it can be gone. And so I just wanted to touch on what we, that we are careful that what comes out of our mouth um, isn't worse than the bag of Cheetos we shoved in our face, you know, five <laughs> minutes before that. Um, yeah. 
We're going to take a break. We'll be back in just a minute. You are listening to Morning Breath from East Coast Christian Center, Merritt Island, Vieira, and Coco. People often say kids are like sponges. Their powerful young minds will soak up anything and everything. This is true, especially during their toddler years, which is why it is important that they be in a fun, friendly, God-centered learning environment like East Coast Christian Academy. We offer activities in the areas of social, emotional, physical, and spiritual to guide those minds toward all that they were created to be. Contact Cindy Smith for more information at 453-KIDS. That's 453-5437. Need a fence professionally done the first time? Hercules and Atlas Fence, owned and operated by Mike Green, has been certified since 1960. No job is too small or too big. Hercules and Atlas Fence, 321-258-9853. Or visit us online at ineedafencenow.com. Overlook Ministries. Our country is in crisis due to addictions. Overlook Bible Training Center offers a free one-year live-in program supported by our Christian community, saving lives and restoring families through the Word of God. TNT, the new thing, church for the fired-up teenager. Come out for a night of worship, growth, and good times every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. at East Coast Christian Center. For more information, call 452-1060, extension 149. For frequent updates and events, check us out on Facebook and Instagram. East Coast Vieira meets every week at Vieira High School at 915 and 1045. With a high energy and dynamic children's ministry for all ages, East Coast Vieira Youth meets every Sunday night at 6 p.m. For more information or to learn more, our website is vieira.eccc.us. Imagine what Brevard County could be like if we would minister to the homeless and those suffering from life-controlling behaviors. Please join Overlook Ministries at our annual Fiesta Dinner on October 19th at 7 p.m. in the East Coast Christian Center Avenue to see how you can make a difference. Once again, that's October 19th at 7 p.m. in the East Coast Christian Center Avenue. The need is great and the time is now. Ladies, you are invited to Flourish Refined Conference, a two-day event with worship, live teaching, and a space created specifically for us to grow together as women. Join us on October 11th and 12th at East Coast Christian Center. Our speakers include Carolyn Haas from Substance Church in Minneapolis and Jessica Stahlbaum from East Coast Christian Center. Experience healing, freedom, purpose, and peace. For more information, go to eccc.us slash sisterhood and register today. That's eccc.us slash sisterhood. We can't wait to see you on October 11th and 12th. Welcome back to the show. This is Morning Breath. Yeah, welcome back. You know, Angela, you said something really important a minute ago when you were talking about the Gentile woman. You said she wasn't speaking his language, which is interesting because she was speaking religious language. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times I think people try to speak the language that they think God is listening for, that they think people want to hear. They're trying to sound like what they think it is. But what was the language? You said it was the language of faith. Yeah. Right? 
the language of faith. And the Bible says that it's it's like you said, it's it's not what we and what Jesus was saying. It's not it's what we say that matters. Life and death, it says in Proverbs, is in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. When you speak faith, it changes the environment that you're in. It it unlocks the 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 things that God has for us in the kingdom. Yeah. Okay, because they're received through faith in Jesus. Yeah. Right? What we say in faith is what makes all the difference. Don't try to put on a religious show. Don't try to blend into a religious culture. Just talk to Jesus in faith. Mm. Be real. And everything that you need in the kingdom is available to you. Amen. Amen. That was good. Thanks for joining us today, guys. Thanks for being here with me, babe. Absolutely. Have Have a a good day. Bye. Thank you for listening to Morning Breath from East Coast Christian Center. We hope to see you at one of our locations this weekend. For additional information, such as service times, events, and more, please visit us at eccc.us. Thanks, and we hope you have a blessed day.